0: I'm the show. With me, Dobson, and him, Tim Today we discuss our landlords criminals and is the state a landlord? Tim.
1: Hating on landlords is a very common position amongst the left, generally uh, social Democrats and so forth. And I got this title um, from watching a vice program on high rents. The vice has vice. Has run a few things on this. And the particular thing was on mobile home parks. People were buying the land underneath them and then raising the uh, rents on the mobile homes that were on top of them. And they're not really movable mobile homes. So, you know, it, you could call this, in a sense, a criminal act. But if you look and in, dig into the quote unquote entrepreneur that was doing it, um, it was just taking advantage of a government loan program. It's a very, I mean, the whole reason his position exists is because of the government. The whole reason that an entrepreneur can swoop in and quote unquote, I use air quotes, in there. Uh, he's just taking advantage of his market position. And more broadly, you, you, you landlords, you know, you, you listen to Keith Preston, you listen to Noam Chomsky, you listen to Jimmy Dore. Um, this is sort of left anarchist social democratic street where landlords are just viewed as, uh, uh, at best middlemen at worst, just outright exploiting criminals here. Um, I was also recently, maybe a year ago, Peter Santella was covering some of the, um, um, the, uh, when the rent moratorium in places like New York, um, certain te- certain landlords couldn't collect rent, but they still had to pay property taxes, which, ble- which brings me to the um, elephant in the room that um, a lot of rentators seem to miss, or whether it's strategic or, or they just say, well, that's not our main focus is a good question. But there is a kind of rent that, in the, at least in the United States, you have to pay, which is property taxes. I'm not sure what the precise situation is in other countries or Britain, but in the United States, you have to pay property taxes. And um, you know it can be anywhere from 200, 300 dollars a month, about 3,000 dollars a year if you own like a 200,000 dollar house, which depending on where you are is about, you know, depending on what you want, is about an average house or or close to an average house. So there's a there's a tax that everyone tends to forget, and oftentimes, and even strong towns, which we'll get to, which I have a few articles we'll we'll talk about here. Um, strong towns even will criticize the property tax because you based it on value on your house. So your house is worth 200,000. Um, you get to pay whatever two percent on that, which is like uh, you know a few thousand dollars. Uh, forgive my bad, men- quick mental math here. Um, and um, so that, that's that's one issue. That's one issue a lot of like the uh, progressive types uh, misses here. They complain about landlords, but then if you look into what landlords actually do with their money, a good portion of it just goes to paying taxes on the building. There, it's not them just going to vacations in the Cayman Islands or vacations in in the Caribbean. Um, it's them you know, just paying uh the the services here in the state. And also, interesting things about landlords. Sometimes landlords will and this was in a strong towns message forum on the comments section. Um the strong towns didn't one person didn't want to improve the their apartments for their tenants because they didn't want to raise the rents. They didn't want because it would raise the property values. If you raise the property values, <laughs> they'd have to raise the rent. So it would break up their entire scheme. And the strong town's founder, when he did it, uh, was like at first t- didn't understand exactly why they were doing. Didn't want any of these sort of sidewalk improvements. Actually, the city was going to do it, the sidewalk improvements and so forth, but didn't want any of that because it would just raise the property values, which raise the taxes on them. So that's something that they, a lot of progressives, you know, rent haters tend to forget here. And that's this goes back to one of my favorite Hoppe, Hoppe lectures: "Who exploits whom?" In that instance, you could argue that the landlords are just as much exploited. As their rentees, um, and especially in, if there's rent moratoriums in New York City, but property taxes are still owed, uh, and that's actually another thing that was cited in the that was, was cited by one of the uh, critics, so to speak. Of Vice interviewed a couple of people, and one of the critics of them was saying, "Well, they have to sort of make back their uh, losses, so they're going to raise their rents 30%, um, um, which you know, it, increase the money supply 40%. Why wouldn't rents go up 30%? Surprise, surprise." And also zoning. Another thing thing that the Strong Towns website criticizes, which is sort of a new urbanist thing. Um, Zoning, like you can only have single-family, or you can only have commercial. You have have certain parking requirements. If you go back, you know, uh, at least in the United States, these are all started by the state. It wasn't private corporations. It was the state creating this. It was actually FDR New Deal. A lot of the stuff comes from, or the Eisenhower-like highway administration. Um, um, So, so the thing, if you want to. If you, first of all, if you want to, so let's start with the question: Are landlords criminals? And then we'll move on. And I would think so. That's true. I think the state is definitely a landlord because it collects taxes, um, and uh, in the same way that a rent is collected. And and what does it actually do with that money? Well, landlords give it to the state, oftentimes in taxes. Now, they do benefit somewhat from it. But so with it, what do you make of my our opening argument here um, uh, and the general? Uh, the general lacking of you see all the people hate rent but they seem to miss taxes and those things swithin
0: oh that's certainly true uh that people forget uh, the, the tax level i mean in england the the taxes on uh property is uh less of a problem because it's actually paid well there's something called council tax which is essentially a property tax uh, except the value of your properties are only um Assess like every 10 years or some long time period and also it's the responsibility of the occupier rather than the owner to pay um, because the idea is that they're providing local services people living there so if you're not living there well then you don't pay it um, if it's left empty or completely empty I don't think you do so uh, that is less of an issue uh in in England uh, than it is in, in the US um, but directly to the question are landlords criminals? Um, well insofar as they legitimately own the land uh, and let's assume that it is possible to homestead land and let's assume that's true because obviously if you're going to take the occupation and use position then there are they are all criminals. Uh, that's essentially the position of uh, existential comics who basically said that uh, interest, uh, interest and uh, rent uh, were illegitimate. The only thing that was justifiable was wages. So, you could take that view. Um, but insofar as they, uh, assuming you can sort of, as it were, privatise the land properly uh, as an, an absentee owner, um, are, are they criminals? Well, to the extent, only to the extent that they they don't legitimately own the land. And there, there are historical cases that you could say, uh, well, you know, uh, enclosures acts in particular in England, uh, where sort of common land, which really wasn't common, common, but was where various families had ancestral um, developed rights to use the, the land for various uh, uses and various like grazing or whatever. And these people weren't really compensated or sort of bought out of their use rights in any way. So th- there are sort of historical things, but I mean, in a sense, that's just sort of going down the reparations line. Um which we've discussed before. Um, when it comes to the state, the state is clearly a landlord, as you point out. I mean, the land—it's sort of like a landlord per excellence. Um, I mean, it claims it has a, a unparalleled sovereign uh, jurisdiction over a particular area. I mean, that sounds like a pretty much like a landlord. And uh, well, yeah, clearly the state is a criminal. Uh, if if you haven't been hiding under a rock for the past three years. Uh, You would have realised that the state is a criminal, and a pretty obvious one at that. Um, To the question, though, as to um, why—I mean, really—the thing is, when it comes to landlords, is landlords can somehow increase their rents, and people don't like them increasing their rents because they think, well, you know, it hasn't really got any better in any meaningful way, you know, or or, or would just be maintained. Why have they been able to put the prices up so much? That's that's really the number of the question is. How is it the case that landlords can increase their um, their prices in, in the way in which um, they they do? Um, now, this seems to me you now from an obvious standpoint, uh, let's talk about the supply side first. I mean, the question is, you know, is, it, is the house building of various types restricted um, beyond what it might otherwise be? And as you said, with zoning laws, that's certainly true. Um, In the case of Britain, since 1946, um, which was one of many, I can't remember which one, of the uh, Town and Country Planning Act, um, that um, set into law for the first time that ownership did not imply the right to development. Uh, Prior to 1946, if you own something, you were presumed to have the right to develop it unless someone objected and... (laughs) You get gradual incursions into what you can do with your land that think from the late 19th, such as various town and country planning acts in the early 20th century. In England, England and Wales, it would be. Um, But in from 1946, so if I want to build a house on a piece of land which hasn't been registered for permitted to uh, build there before, I would have to go and get planning permission um, from the state and the local council to um, to do that so in America, that'd be like the city council in larger areas um now just to give you an idea of time scale for this um for major housing developments it takes on average this is in scotland this is something the scottish libertarian party noted it took over a year to um just get planning permission And you've got to remember is they have prepared their proposal It's probably taken them a year to prepare the proposal to begin with, and then they have a year negotiation, and this is to build houses that are basically the same as all the other houses that exist, because to a large extent you can only build houses the state wants you to build because they have very very um, specific uh, requirements in what you can build. I mean, what the housing has to be quote unquote high density, because if you this is if you look at new build houses in england for instance they're on average unless they're particularly expensive their floor plans are smaller than older houses because you know the state wants high density housing um so there's huge restrictions when it comes to uh even building and that's and that's even leaving aside you know different variety i mean um there's an interesting um, podcast called I listen to occasionally an architecture and they had on oh I can't remember his first name. It's someone called Schumacher. He worked with Zaza Hadid, uh, and he said basically like you can't just build on like a new interesting building because you basically only build what the state allows you to build because of the um the precision and strenuousness stringency sorry of the um, zoning of the planning and building codes. And then of course you have things like um the restrictions on who can be an electrician these days I mean, back in the day you could do your own electrics I'm talking about only 20 years ago but now you have to get an efficient electrician a guy that I know uh, he can do the electrics but he's not a qualified electrician so he sets it all up just so the, the guy with the certificate could come on and connect it up clearly that's going to make things a lot more expensive to build and so, so on on supply so you've got only not only you've got permission to build um you've got um you've got the, the what, what you can actually build and whether that's what people want um tim any, any 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 questions on the sort of supply side um issues before i hit some more demand side issues
1: no no questions i'll just add another comment taken in california which is one of the states that are extremely expensive and a lot of these sort of progressive commentators are complaining about high rents one of the things that now there's always like a lot of I mean, in this sense, Rothbard's right. You want the government to have lot long regulations because at least you can find loopholes. But in general, I think most new housing in California requires solar panels. To get solar panels is, really, is fairly expensive. So there's a sort of tricky way in which, you know, if, if you just want to build housing quick, you're not going to building a bunch of solar panels. Well, this is a roundabout way to do it. Um, and there's also various other things you have to do, and like coding. Now, some of the coding stuff might be considered reasonable. Although, you know, this goes back to sort of what exactly is reasonable. You know, it goes back to my Fez. Edf- or, edf- or a lot of these sort of things you can drive a truck through here. Um, and, and um, you know, even even ex- and with the zoning, for example, you're talking about supply side. One of the ways to increase the supplies is to get rid of single family zoning or lower zoning in the town and country is, well, A, it makes the state the de facto landlord. So people complain to the landlords um that are you know charging higher rents but the supply is restricted um to begin with for various reasons as you mentioned here um and on top of that like I- I- if you want to go out and build new things you can't you can't do it for for like environmentalist reasons here um so those those types could you just easily blame for the quote-unquote housing crisis if of course it exists as well as as well as um Nimby, yes, in my backyard. Nimby. This is another restriction factor here, which restricts our, arguably the supply. A lot of social democrats will him and haul over this because, you know, in reality, a lot of their proposals are also are technically nimby. Um, so a lot of the environmental stuff, you know, you can't you can't build this house because you might, you know, there might be a stream or there might be a tree or there might be some eagle's nest. There's a lot of even Elon, Elon Musk's, for example, not that I'm a, necessarily a fanboy of him, but they had to like they've been delaying this whole rocket launch program in south southern Texas because there's like fisheries that are protected around it. And it's like at the end of the day, you know, somewhere you're going to have to, you know, if you want more housing, you might have to destroy a few fishes here or there. Um, so, so in this sense, the state is the de facto landlord. And a lot of things that the progressive commentators complain about. Are things that they more or less de facto support. And again, what like roofs? One of the reasons roofs are more expensive is, at least in the United States, it's a lot of oil products go into roofs. Why is oil more expensive? Well, let me scratch my head. I think I can think of two reasons. One is the war, uh, and the other is of course what war uh, sanctions we don't need to do. And the other, of course, is you know restricting the oil supply. So like if you look at like lots of petroleum products are in housing, uh, from my understanding. So those would be my additional comments. think there's a lot of things that restrict the supply and lots of things that progressives social democrats and even left anarchists so-called left anarchists um either outright champion for or don't you know particularly deny so i think
0: oh yes and certainly on the um environmental angle um the, the cost of building new properties now you have to have massive amounts of insulation um, which ironically probably contribute to the fact that people found it unbearably hot in England because somehow it reached 90 at um, uh, at some points in the recent past, uh, because once it, the building gets warm it's quite difficult to make it cool uh, because of the um, insulation or the environmental requirements. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the, the NIMBY isn't, I mean that's one of the that's one of the most annoying things as well. A lot of people complain about, oh no, housing development is building on the green belt, it's building on um, uh, forests, or well, not necessarily forests, but on farming land and stuff. Well, that's because it tends to be easier to get planning permission on that uh, on the basis that um, you have less complaints. If you build on brownfield sites, which have already been developed, there's loads of people around there who can complain and therefore um, delay the process even more um uh, just nothing on um planning I mean I wanted to get an extension to my house and they said no I couldn't do it because it would um harm the character of the area the area is a bunch of 1950s council houses uh to which most people probably don't care what they look like Uh, yet somehow I couldn't do it um Now, you might think, well, this is an extension, why does that make much difference? Well, because if I was particularly concerned about the space, well, what this would then mean is I don't have to demand the house that was bigger somewhere else. Whereas if I could have just extended it, then I wouldn't have needed to do so. Um, This is also what I always thought about with housing is people think it's too expensive to, to buy the houses they want to fit all their family in, although birth rates aren't as high as they used to be. If you could more easily develop your own, and have like a relatively small property but then easily you know increase the space uh, there by you know adding extensions front back side whatever then there'd be less need to move and so there'd be less demand for the uh the smaller lot of larger houses or smaller houses depending on which ones you need to go to um so uh, supply is a, a huge issue. They always claim, oh, we're trying to get around this, but the, the state never does anything. It always says, oh, no, we're going to build 10,000 more houses. It's like, let people build houses they want. and just tell them that, oh, we're going to build them here. Um, so that's definitely a supply issue. Um, right, demand. Um, one aspect that tends to be pointed out for demand for housing, for increasing prices of houses and also rental, is immigration. Uh, the UK has net immigration of about three hundred thousand a year, um, and the population of about sixty-five million. So that's a pretty large proportion. Um, that said, according to a housing consultant I spoke to, he doesn't think that that immigration, at least in the short term, makes that much difference, at least in England. Because most of the people who come are single and, and moving to cities where there's sort of very small flats are easy to access. Uh, and so he doesn't think they make that much difference to the um, the, ha- the demand and, and for larger properties in particular. Now, he didn't say this, but I suspect it would make a difference in the long term. But given what he says in the short term, that seems somewhat reasonable. Uh, although as well in the case of the UK looking at immigration you would be careful as to which of those are students because a lot of those people coming in and leaving could well be students although not all of them uh, as you may have been known if you've watched any British TV recently a lot of people coming on dinghies uh, to the UK are actually Albanian men um, so um well, not all it's not all sort of immigration although I do think immigration would make a difference in the long term um when it comes to uh birth rates, because depending where they come from the Indian subcontinent in the case of the u k they have higher birth rates, and so that 's going to have clearly going to mean increased demand for larger properties uh, and also more properties um in the long term now, what I would say though is what at least the housing guy I spoke to what seems to be the biggest demander though of new of, of more property. Uh, in England, is household dissolution. Um, I had a look at some figures. Um, these ones were from about 2003-4, and a journalist and that guy I know said more recently it was the figure I'm going to say. um So, being like in like 2003-4, I think it was only about 47% of 15-year-olds lived with their biological father, and that to go to guy I know, so that was over 50%. So it's probably even higher now. So clearly, if you had a family, let's say of five, two parents and three children, they live in one property. But if they get divorced and they split up, and well, that means two properties. And the average space required for each of the persons there, uh, when you have separate dwellings, is going to be higher than if you can put them all in one because you don't in a sense to get the economies of scale. That you um, would otherwise get. Um, so that does seem um, to be one of the major causes of um, the increase in demand uh, in the um, me- well, medium short medium term, really. Uh, Tim, any comments on um, on immigration and sort of increased population and household dissolution?
1: With respect to immigration. Like in places like California, which is where a lot of the progressive in Texas, well, lesser extent in Texas, but in particular, California, um, I, I really find it hard to believe that it, it, it's not a factor. Like it, it might not be the factor, but in 1990, California's population was just under 30 million, 29 million and change. Now it's almost 40 million, 39 and change. And that's the counted population. It's probably a huge amount of uncounted population um, in it, too. Um, so, so I, I find it hard to believe. And actually, the vice thing that was actually covering one of the tr- the, the the trailer parks, well, that might have been a different vice episode was dealing with mainly you know Mexican Americans of some variety, which is fine. but it's like, yeah, this this you know, this is sort of like, well, of course, this is going to happen. I mean, this is one of the arguments against it. You're basically bringing you're basically you're adding a, you know, and if you look back in 50 years, if you expand the population back in like 50 years, basically in the 70s, California's population has doubled. Has the amount of housing gone up? Probably not. Um, so maybe that's an argument against, you know, mass immigration here. You know, if you don't create housing crises, uh, it'll create, it'll create. And then the, the effects on prices are obvious. Well, if, if five people want one apartment, um, then the, the price, the only thing that, the rational thing for the landlord to do is to raise the price. Um, um, and that then, then to, 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 to create a, you know, better, uh, so the person who wants to pay the most money will get the, uh, piece of house. And if you combine that with the, you know, the single family zoning rules, you can't add additions on things like that. Um, then the things gets even worse. Um, so, so the fact that immigration has no effect, I, I find that, I find that dodgy here, uh, maybe in the short run, it doesn't. Um, but again, it's, it's actually a good thing for the existing property owners here. And that's actually one thing that the strong towns are actually, the strong town people actually I'd say arguers are more smarter than, are smarter than the general progressive critics of this. Uh, and why, because, partly because the founder, and again, he's probably a weak free marketeer, but he did, he did write a article for the conservative case against, he wrote it for the American conservative, the conservative case against suburbs here. Um, um, so, so so yeah, I do think it has an effect. I do think the explosion of public I, I don't see sort of from a praxeological point to use like a Walter block term. I don't think how it could not have an effect on 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 um the uh price of a good given unit and as far as as far as another way to control it, the vice thing at least admits that rent control just creates long lines for cheap units. so you just have lotteries you have you have twenty so we'll just freeze the price but but here's the thing. Um, we'll just have rent control, and then we'll have a lottery, and we'll just have someone. So someone will win the lottery, so to speak, and that's in fact what they're doing. They're just buying a, an apartment for, you know, 10% of market value, um, uh, or 40, or some like very low price. And I mean, it's a wealth transfer in a sense, subsidy of some kind. Um, um, but does that really solve it? No. The, then it actually turns the, those property owners. They they're actually beneficiaries of the system. The people they get in. Um, They're not they don't want to leave. Life's good for them. They've got they got a good deal. They got a perfect apartment in in New York City and it's on a rent control price. So at least Vice, the economist, they uh, uh, record on high rents admits that, well, this doesn't really do anything for the other nine, people that nine out of 10 people that lose the lottery for the home. So rent control. I mean, this is a common talking point for Walter Block and Gary Walter Block's teacher, Gary Becker here. Uh, you know, what tests what here. But, you know, those two things, which I would say that definitely affect not only the supply, the demand. And if, you, and if you have to rent control it, why would you build there? So what do you make of my comments about with respect to rent control and with respect to immigration? Swithin?
0: Rent control is clearly stupid uh, and is just going to restrict supply. And as the economist in there said, I mean, the, the real, um, well, I don't think it's just a big issue, but one of the major issues is supply. Uh, And that is a very bad idea. And I mean, um, I think in California in particular, is just a terrible place to do business. I mean, you just require forever to get um, um, licensed um, and and get permission to build. I remember someone saying it was much easier to run a business in China than it was in California, which is probably true. Especially immigration. I know I I, I do think immigration makes some difference. I just think you need to nuance the case that, oh, no, it's just immigration. Um, Now, in California, it might be. I mean, it's going to depend on the type of immigrants. Um, It's going to depend on what type of housing you have currently and how much you have of it. Um, If it's the case, which this guy claimed in the UK, that there's a lot of sort of like single flats and things above shops and things, and if you are living in working in the city, and you're single and you're male, typically, then you can fill those right relatively easily. There's quite a lot of them. Um, it might become more difficult when there's more people. So, but but certainly over time, certainly immigration will make a difference. The question is when, uh, I would say. And then obviously, so population increase might make some difference. But in the case of the UK, demographics are going down, so that's probably not going to make huge, huge, huge amount of difference, uh, except in specific areas. Uh, the US has not great demographics either, uh, below replacement rate, although this is where Peter Zion says, oh no, immigration is good because it's keeping the demographics up, unlike, say, China, um, who are a rapidly aging population. Uh, and interestingly as well, the housing market has collapsed uh, in recent months. Um, because well it it was all built on guess what cheap loans which brings me to the issue that a lot of people neglect um seemingly when it comes to housing is well what's really going up in price now this is more relevant for um buying rather than renting as such but buying but but the bigger factor is not the house price, but the land price. I had a look around. The um, normal for, for new build houses, they have the three to one rule of thumb. So essentially, the idea is that if you buy a new property, um, a, third, a third of the, prop, the value of the lot is, is the land and two thirds is the price of the house. But then after about 10 years, it then goes to about the 50-50 ratio because you don't have the new house premium anymore. It's a bit tired. Maybe you would expect it not to be in as good a shape in the same way like a secondhand car isn't as good as in as good a shape as a new one. And so thereafter, you get like 50-50 split in sort of well half the half is the value of the house and half is the value of the land. Um, now, then someone else said on this, that well, no, it just depends on its individual circumstance. And I do think that's probably true um, to a large extent, because, I mean, if you haven't actually improved your house in any meaningful way uh, and the value of the house goes up, well it's pretty much the land price going up so then the question is well why the land price is going up so much well what does seem to be the case is um when there is cheap credit available uh the money and um, an increase in the money supply this money ends up in property and in land and the value of the land goes up uh, there's an interesting parallel to the austrian business cycle theory um, by a guy called Fred Harrison who was interestingly a Georgist he predicted a crash in 2010 because I read his book in like 2005 and to be fair predicting going all outside there would be a crash in 2010 and it was in 2008 isn't bad going um, time wise and he argued that there was an 18 years uh, cycle in land value which actually links very nicely with the Austrian business cycle theory and um, uh, monetary expansion, low interest rates causing uh, increases in prices of capital goods that, uh, so that artificially go higher than they otherwise would because of the cheap credit. And this is the major reason why the, the housing costs have gone up. I mean, and think about recently, you know, why have the house prices gone up uh, so much now? I mean, I think the average house cost in the UK today is... £315,000 sorry no £290,000 and to put this into perspective if you look at um, the ratio between average income and house price uh, today is the highest it's ever been it's even higher than it was prior to the crash in 2009 nearly um, nine times average income Um, and uh, the US is the same the US has now gone over eight so actually housing in the UK is more expensive which isn't surprising considering there's less land um person. so the u.s ones are 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 lower um so this is one of the major factors And, and i mean the amount of monetary creation that took place in 2020 i mean this is clearly going to be available and you can bid up land prices um as an aside with this what was it some rich guy really rich guy in england said oh how do, you, oh, how do you get rich or something in, in, um, in England? And he said something to the effect of, well, just find somebody who was a descendant of a friend of William the Conqueror. Be, well, one of the main things, is he gave lots of land um, to people. And land does seem to be the major sort of issue uh, as to why the, the value goes up. Because, I mean, why would you expect to house us in the same area? um when it gets older and more tired and needing refurbishment to go up in price well of course you wouldn't like a car i mean the car gets older it gets cheaper it can not go up in price but that doesn't seem to happen with houses well why because it's it's the land and then the question is well is it just is it just monetary inflation i don't think it's just that Uh, But that's certainly uh, a a major factor. So, Tim, uh, what do you think about sort of cheap credit and um, land value increases relative to other factors which may or may not increase the land values in particular areas?
1: Oh, yeah, I I, I entirely agree. Um, The houses are just an asset which people use to... um... Well, in the United States at least, people use this to as a sort of retirement or or it's inheritance in a sense. So, like you know, the main asset that most people have left when they die is their house, and they'll just divide it amongst their heirs. They'll sell it, um, you know, for a fairly good price, and they'll divide that amongst. So, in that sense, the money just um, um, turning housing. <laughs> like this is a good reason to be an anarchist, not a social democrat, if you want equality here. Uh, if you want if you want to sort of attack inheritance don't attack inheritance head-on uh, attack it attack the um, well don't attack the symptoms of it attack the um attack the the, the 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 main asset which allows it to happen which is which is housing so people will just own a lot of wealth who land houses and um they'll just sell them and they'll give that there it's it's a great way to hedge against inflation now again the question, out to me, is always, whom is benefiting here to a certain extent here, and you know, with respect to, um, I think it's understandable, although the third worlds wouldn't be understandable. I think it's understandable for middle class households in the United States to use their houses as assets. The trouble is, and Strong Towns admits this, the trouble is, this just bids up the price for their children to buy houses later on. Um, 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 so, so it's it, it's it's a kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul situation here with respect to houses, instead of borrowing the future. So if I have one criticism of strong towns things, they'll say that the um, suburban growth expansion boom is a Ponzi scheme. And there's other YouTube channels that there's, well, strong is not a YouTube channel, but they also have the Not Just Bikes and City Beautiful, that's sort of like progressive city type planners. Um, so they'll say that the sub, suburbs are a Ponzi scheme. Well, you could just argue that the whole America is just a, like the whole, the whole Western world, in a sense, is some sort of giant Ponzi scheme done by the Fed and the Marshall Plan and things like that. And this is where you get into Peter Schiff territory here because you said, well, he had a year prediction about when the housing crisis would happen. So you started getting into Peter Schiff territory where, where if you take some sort of peer view, well, this thing has to blow up. And this sort of reminds me of our Austrian uh, is Mises and, and Moldbug right about banking episode here with respect to um, uh, the using of housing as a sort of the main asset in our society, which is rather strange, um, considering that land, in a sense, is super abundant here in some ways. Land, because less farming land is used now than it was used in years past. Um, um, so that would be, that'd be my point. One of the reasons, I, I think it's quite clear that one reason why rent is expensive. There's no real reason why rent should be anything. I mean, if, but, but see, this goes back to property taxes here. You can't. In order to buy land, you need a loan to get them, because you can't. You know, the state owns it, and the state wants to, and the state wants to property tax it. And on the strong towns thing, a commentator was making fun of the fact that, like, a city like St. Louis, there's lots of homes that are foreclosed, but they're all like the homes worth basically negative dollars because it has like $100,000 of back taxes on it. In order to buy the home, you have to buy the taxes here. Uh so this is again where progressives in the managerial class. They sort of benefit by having pensions and things like that for the schools, which don't necessarily drive results. Um, um, So, you know, some of the Georgians will say it's user fees. Well, do the user fees benefit the people who actually do it? And do we have any reason for them to think it would benefit here? So in my view, land taxes are arguably dodgy things. And actually state mandated credit for them is dodgy because then it it just gives certain people the privilege to buy it just dries up the price um that'd be my analysis here do you have anything to disagree here swithin um, any or any further comments here with respect to the
0: no state that's president? yeah 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 i mean any sort of um state um uh, loan or backed loan to anything in particular is just going to be an indirect subsidy to whoever produces it because the demand is going to go up more than it otherwise would do and then that's just going to be pocketed by the other people. I mean, like um, in the UK, for instance, the the existence of student loans, which are different in America, they're much cheaper for you to use here. And after, I think, 25 years, they're written off anyway. Um, that's just an indirect subsidy to the university system, obviously. Um, th- and then, you know, if you're buying houses, clearly the price of houses is going to go up. This is why you should always oppose um, vouchers of any sort, because all it will do is increase prices. If you just gave people more money. Well, yes, you might expect prices to go up, but the thing is, it won't be evenly distributed. It would be down to whoever the individual in question. uh, Well, down to the individual where he'd spend his money and he might spend it in one place, might spend it somewhere else. But you're not going to get that uniform increase. um, uh, The uniform increase in um, prices um in in that way so um uh, vouchers and government mandated schemes uh, i mean yeah it, it's either a stupid suggestion or just entirely cynical uh because they know that they'll be on the receiving end of the benefits um of of, of the system
1: um, so when, then, do you have any do you have any, this is my, my final comment here this is a question do you have any any comments on the the idea why, why do progressives see I, I suspect progressives attack petite bourgeois landlords be, for class reasons because they sort of fit, fit a certain um group um, which is some reason why i'm much more sympathetic to sort of now again look, there's a lot of megacorps that are actually buying up land um and so forth um but but i would argue that in a lot of ways that certain landlords are in effect are are doing the bidding of the state so like so, like, if you want to have solar, if you require solar panels on your roof, um, that the, you might, or or you want to have schools taxes for the school for a big, big, uh, relatively big size apartment building, someone needs to either collect the payments or evict, um, or evict the people who don't want to pay. Um, so that's sort of the front line of the force here, and I think I think a lot of progressive commentators sort of want to wash their hands on that. And another thing I think that needs to be brought up here is um, is more cultural reasons. I guess this won't be my final question. I think one more issue I think we just hit is a lot of, you know, and Top of Soul is big on this. Um, one of the reasons why people don't want to live in certain areas is they, they perceive it to be bad or they perceive it to be crime or they perceive the schools to be bad. Now, again, this is where the strong towns would say this is bias and progressives would say it's bad. But this is where a lot of times progressives are, sort of self-performative contradictions for those. They'll either go to private schools, you know, or they um, won't go to the uh, schools there, or or they um, won't even um, be anywhere near them. Um, they'll sort of have hived off areas here. So in a sense, I'm sympathetic to the people who sort of want to move away to somewhere safe uh, or perceived to be safe here. And then cultural matters too. Um, so this is sort of another area in which, you know, one of the reasons people, you know they'll say high density is good. Okay, high density is good um, if you can if you can enforce the rules. So one of the reasons many people, and I think in the United States, want to live in the suburbs is you're more. You know I, I shouldn't say this. To us, like we don't always lock our doors. Lots of people in the you know, in the suburbs and are fairly you know well you know positioned here. And like you know the rules in which the lockdowns are much more less severe. Now again, the strong towns advocate. The guy, again, he's a moderate conservative, moderate free market here, narrowly defined. He says that, you know, these people should go want to retake over the city, so to speak, and stop trying to flee to the countryside. Um, So I do I do think, you know, there are sort of other factors to measure like why people don't want to live in these certain areas and why people want to live in the others areas. I think the progressives miss it. I think the progressives I think I think I think it's sort of like the same way blaming the gas station owner for high gas prices. I think that's a lot of what, a lot of what the complaints about landlords ends up being is complaining, by, complaining the gas station owner. Cause like, okay, if the gas station owner gives it out for free, then he's basically, he's, he's just going to lose his gas station, you know? So he has to collect the payments here. Um, um, so, so he should have to tack the right people here. Um, and I, I do think landlords at times are an easy target. Uh, again, if there aren't exploitive landlords, there probably are. They probably are charging. They probably do in some sense benefit in some way. Although, although it's not entirely clear on these issues, which is a thing I say a lot on this show. Swithin, any final comments on with respect to, you know, why do progressives attack landlords, you know, social democrats and so forth? And do you agree with my analogy, sort of like blaming the gas station owner for the high gas prices? Swithin, That's my final well, comment.
0: To a large extent, yes. Um I mean, the landlord is in his position, he's got supply and demand, uh, he's got lots of upkeep, lots of costs to run the place. I mean, you can't just charge zero price because then you wouldn't provide the service to begin with. The reason why the landlord can sort of quote-unquote exploit his position is, well, primarily for the, for the fact of the uh, supply restrictions we said before. I mean, if it was significantly easier to build your own or build elsewhere, then this wouldn't really be an issue in the same way. Of course, you you get unscrupulous landlords who break contracts and stuff, or uh, you could say to some extent unreasonable. Um, yeah, but um, you wouldn't be able to do it to the, in the way that they currently do do it. Um, now, are landlords an easy target? Well, yes, they are for multiple reasons. One, that everyone basically has a landlord of some description or I mean even if you own your home most people own them don't actually own it outright they have a mortgage on it so, so then it's kind of like oh it's the bank and the banks always a are, are good people to criticize and, and I, rightly so in many cases uh, but for renters um, it's like oh no he's forcing you know he's like I'm, he's charging me to live which is kind of like the same as like a farmer but I can see the point that it, it you're not directly working to provide the food you're not directly working to provide the house in the way that you work to provide the food at least you can perceive that way and of course there's lots of historical situations where land has been monopolized as well i mean the biggest landlord landowners in england is the church of england the queen and the government um lots of people go on about how the queen and the church of england would but they don't really say the government owns lots of land um, and of course, you know, people, and I said, enclosures and other stuff historically. Uh, so I, I, I do think they're an easy target. Uh, density is an interesting point you raise. Yeah, if you're living on top of lots of people, you, people are going to behave themselves. And if they don't, you're not going to want to be there. Um, and also, I think just in general, um, people like the idea. Well, think about this. I mean, if you lived in like the medieval period, um, you'd have lots of green space around. You'd have your house, maybe in a village. Uh, or even a small town. I mean, people seem to like having green space uh, to a large degree. And um, this is borne out by the type of houses that people demand. Um, so I think whilst it's the strong towns, people are correct, but especially the suburbs as created in the US, it should, doesn't don't really think are the same as they are in the in the UK. They're not as sprawling. They're not as um wide I mean so for instance there was an art critic who's interesting Andrew Graham Dixon uh had some documentaries uh the BBC uh he was commenting about uh, at uh sorry for Los Angeles that he never really understood the city because it has no center it's just sort of like a big sprawling mass and then this art this artist who he was discussing was, made him understand you know what made Los Angeles work the way it does so all I'm saying is the pattern of development in America is quite a bit different from Europe, even though you could argue it's more sprawling now than it was suburbia that is than it was than it is in the um in the past. And the Australia people are, are correct that you know subsidized roads, infrastructure, and stuff. So they basically turn a little bit Kevin Carson-y. And, and I do think that's right. But if you're just taking for current choices that people have, um the, the progressives are hilarious because. Um, they always sort of move into almost exclusively upper middle class white areas whilst they can go on about how much they care about black people and they go and they sort of self-segregate into the whitest areas basically because they want to move towards people who are more like them Uh, but when uh, white working class people do that that's racism Uh, but when they do it it's all because we care about our children Um, and uh, you know why would you want to live in the inner city these days? Um, if you can't live in a really nice area. So, I mean, for instance, if I wanted to live in London, the, the only way I would live in London is if I lived in one of the most exclusive, expensive areas, because other places, if stuff will get nicked, crime is high, it might get stabbed. So I am not to live in the east end of London. Um, so a lot of these sort of, um, the cities, as it is at present, given the choices you have, uh, the people who live in inner cities are either extremely wealthy, Um young sort of upper middle class types who have no children but like all the bars and restaurant scene. Uh and then, well, basically these days, minorities. Uh you do get some white working class in England to a large extent, but I mean they've kind of moved somewhere else to a large extent. but they do to some extent. Um uh, you know, you get um, immigrants of various types—blacks, Asians, etc. I think the same in the US. Although mostly blacks, they're probably all Hispanics. Um, so, on an individual basis, why would you even bother? Now, I suppose you could say, "Oh, you, sh- you, sh- you should be the uh, pioneering, uh, sort of white middle-class type who left suburbia to try and reclaim uh, the inner well, city."
1: Within that does happen, and it's called gentrification, and people uh, complain about it. Now I'm fine with gentrification. I don't doesn't seem to, you know, people want to move back into the cities because the housing is cheap. Um, great. But then when it's when it gets done, it's also so actually when they left, it's considered racism. When they move back in, it's considered racism. So in that sense, um, they can't win. In, in, you know, who's they? But you know they can't win in the sense that um, they'll be unhappy with either things. So those are my only comments to add there.
0: So think- oh, no, 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 I agree. Gentrification just happened. But I, I think in general, although the gentrification, this is the situations which have been described as gentrification tend to be young, upper middle class types in m- from the impression I've got from it, rather than more regular types of people think, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Um, now, uh, I, I could be wrong, but you are right. Um, if you do come into a failing area and you make it better, then it's gentrified, and it feels more expensive, people have to leave. Um, and it's like, well, again, what, you Which sort of, of
1: relates to my commenter in the strong towns where the people didn't want to improve the sidewalks because it raised the property taxes, which goes back to the point that the, the state is the sort of de facto overlord, and many of the states' decrees progressives not only like, they outright, they're outright, they not even only neutral, they're actually outright supportive of it. Or even, even simple things like, you know, some older houses gets grandfathered in because they don't have elevators. Like my barber, for example, does, is on a second, you know, in a house. Um, but like if she'd opened it again, she, they would have to, have to put a share lift in here. Again, now, OK, let's be nice to handicapped people. I'm not opposed to that. But it costs, you know, a few thousand dollars to put a share lift or an, or an elevator in. Um, and actually, one of the reasons why the, I was looking at the City Beautiful had about Soviet housing. One of the things, interesting things, is they made it, they kept it at five stories because they didn't want to put elevators in. Because even then, they thought that, I don't know if that was their code or it was their, um, um, uh, or they just thought that people wouldn't like it, but they they, they kept it at five stories because, well, any more than five flights is sort of a pain to walk. Um, um, So there's lots of rules that go into like what type of houses you build, who can build them, where can you build them. Um, Does the actual landlord have much control of it? In some cases, yes. Most cases, probably not. Um, and there are sort of sort of entrepreneurs like that vice guy, that the mobile home park buyer up entrepreneur. That's probably a dodgy business. I I, I wouldn't get behind him. I'm not going to die on a hill to defend him. But then again, you have to look into why does he even in a position to do it uh, and so forth. And, and a lot of factors are just totally left out. So that'd be my concluding comment here with Swithin. I think we should probably wrap it up. Do you have any further comments with
0: I'd entirely forgotten about the disabled stuff. Uh, yeah, that's a huge thing since the 1990s. You have to have um, corridors of a certain width. You get at ramps everywhere. Um, it's really kind of expensive. I mean, on a purely utilitarian basis, the government should have said, "Oh, well, you know, if you happen to buy a house and you, well, you, uh, you're disabled, you got a wheelchair. Like, we've got a fund that you can modify it with." It's like. That would have been so much cheaper, so much cheaper than to do. But of course, they didn't do that. Um, and interestingly, in America, at least going to be declined, uh, the large corp- mega megacorporations uh, supported the introduction of um, some things like the what was in England, the Disability Discrimination Act, whereas the small medium sized companies opposed it because it increased their costs significantly. Whereas the megacourts probably thought, well, Given we've got massive economies of scale, we've got a lift for this mega call center or office block. It's not that expensive per employee. Plus, of course, it makes all our small competitors go out of business because it's too expensive for them. Um, so, um, yes, I have entirely forgotten about that, and that is a very good point. I'd now just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material and if you'd like to contact the show for any reason please contact the show at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com that's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com